Send the light, send the light, your blessing, blessing gospel light, let it shine, let it shine from shore to shore. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Send the Light podcast. I'm your host, Matt Tyson, here with my co-host, evangelist Michael Bolton, who labors with us at the Cedar Terrace Church of Christ. Brother Mike. Some exciting things are happening over in India right now with some of the folks that you're working with over there. Pretty encouraging. Uh, can you share some of that with us? Yes, sir. It is exciting. Um, there's a host of faithful and very energetic, uh, capable brethren working in India. And uh, recently, a stranger to all of us reached out to us uh, through our Facebook ad here in, in Waterloo and asked about learning more of the scripture and, and having somebody to work with him. So we were able to put him in touch with Brother VJ Biscar. Brother VJ went and spoke with this gentleman and had some studies with him. Wound up, he and his entire congregation took a stand for the truth and are now worshiping correctly. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, it's it's really easy to discount you know, when, when folks like him write in and we, we see it a fair amount, people right. write in, unfortunately, some of them are looking, you know, they've got ulterior motives, right. but it's really encouraging to find situations like that where they really do just want to learn more about the Bible, more about the truth. That's he was hungry. Yeah, he was hungry. <laughs> well, we're so glad that you've tuned in with us today. Our hope and our prayer is that we are able to help bring relevant, important Bible topics to your attention and explore what the Bible says regarding these topics. If you're listening or watching and you live here with us in the Waterloo, Cedar Falls or surrounding areas, we'd love to have you visit with us. We meet at 2543 Cedar Terrace Drive in Waterloo. You can find us there Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We also have free resources that we can send to you. We have Bible courses by mail, and uh, we also really love studying the Bible with people in, in person. So if you uh, are interested, please feel free to reach out to us. You can find the us on our website at www.cedarterracecoc.com. You can find our Facebook page or YouTube channels with the handle at Cedar Terrace COC or the email address and phone numbers listed on the screen or in the podcast notes. Brother Mike, last week we talked about the reliability of the scriptures. We know that the Bible is perfect, that the authors were inspired by God, and we can be sure of the words therein. But this week, we want to seek out what the holy inspired word of God says regarding the question, can a Christian cease to be a Christian? Very popular uh, belief. I've heard many people talk about the the teachings of that. So I think it's a, a relevant topic for us to a relevant question for us to answer and explore today. Uh, this question, can a Christian cease to become a Christian, comes with many different names. Uh, what are some of the names that you've heard heard it called in the past? All my life, I've dealt with uh, and I've countered or opposed the doctrine of eternal security. Sometimes it's not called perseverance of the, of the saints. Uh, most commonly, probably, is once saved, always saved, or, or something like that, that teaches that no Christians can't lose their salvation. Mm -hmm. We believe from our studies that the Bible says otherwise. That's right. And so we're excited to explore this question with our listeners today. Brother Mike, uh, before we get started, would you offer, offer us a prayer for our study today? Certainly. Let's pray. 
Father in heaven, we thank you for the day that you've given to us for the opportunity to come here to study a portion of your word with our brother Matt and uh, to help hopefully shed the light of your gospel and the truth of your word into the area in which we live. We pray, Father, that it would have free course and right of way into our lives, into our minds, and into our hearts so that we hide it there so that we do not sin against you. We know that it is the light, it is the true light, and it contains the truth. We pray, Lord, that you'll help us to find it and to search for it constantly all of our lives long. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Brother Mike, these issues, some of the ones that we've talked about in previous weeks, which our listeners can also find those on YouTube or uh, Facebook or our website, these issues are really, they're things that people have probably learned and been taught their entire life. Um, You know, I grew up in a denomination uh, that was not the Lord's church. Well, I shouldn't say I grew up. I, I was pretty young when we transitioned out of that. But I do remember attending denominational uh, uh, churches and, and the teachings they're in. And these people are convinced, you know, they're, they're absolutely, they, they believe, they have faith in these teachings. And so it's very difficult to be taught something else. I also grew up in denominationalism. And I remember, as I said before, um, I, I, I don't remember a time when I have not opposed this doctrine of eternal security. So denominations are divided and split over this. If we're going to find unity in Christendom, we have to find it based on the Word of God. It is our source for truth and light. Mm-hmm. And I believe that this that the Word of God answers this question as well as it does many others. It's unfortunate that Satan has figured out for very, very long uh, now, centuries and centuries, that one of the easiest ways, one of the, the, the best tools to use to, to trick people is religion. That's right. You know, I want to start by reading um, a Wikipedia article regarding eternal security, like other modern inclusions in religion, I believe eternal security has recent origins. And I don't mean recent as far as just in the last, you know, decade or last century, but recent as, as far as not in, you know, not in the scriptures. not in the scriptures. Right. This article says one of the last works made by Augustine addresses the gift of perseverance. In the work, Augustine notes that a person that that persons cannot know whether or not they have received that gift from God. Since Augustine accepted the doctrine that the Holy Spirit is received at water baptism, producing regeneration or salvation, he tried to explain why some regenerated babies continue in the faith while other baptized infants would fall away from the faith and even live immoral lives and debauchery. Both groups possess the Holy Spirit, so how can one account for the difference? Augustine concluded that God must give a second gift of grace called perseverance. The gift of perseverance is only given to some baptized infants. What do you think about that? My first thought as you were reading that was, too bad the scripture doesn't list perseverance as one of the spiritual gifts. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) Man's ideas always are foreign to the word of God. Now, you know, playing a little bit of kind of devil's advocate, you're right. It doesn't list that as a, a gift of the Holy Spirit or anything like that. But 
but folks that hold the view of the perseverance of the saints or eternal security as the title of this podcast goes, um, they do, people do believe and they, they are good, good moral people. I don't want to discount from that at all. Right. They believe the scriptures teach this. And so I've actually, I've looked up, I'm sure this isn't, these are not all the scriptures. This is not an all inclusive list of the passages that folks use, but I thought uh, I've got four of them and I thought maybe you and I could kind of go through them, uh, look at the scriptures. And uh, so the first one's John 10 verse 28. And I give unto them eternal life that they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. What do you think about that passage? Just kind of when you first hear it, what are your, what are your thoughts on it? Well, the Lord is speaking, and his words are true. Mm -hmm. I do believe that eternal life is a gift from God. The scriptures teach us that in multiple places. But it's interesting that Jesus doesn't say they shall never fall. He says, no man will pluck them out of my hand. Nobody can make us not a Christian. Only we can. Mm -hmm. No other person can do that. I think an interesting point to pick out is in this passage in John 10, verse 28, and I give them eternal life and they being the same one as them and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. You know, the Bible gives us the answer who them, they, and them are. And it's right in the previous verse in verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. There's a word for that. What's that? It's called context. Context, yeah. And it, and that's true. Somebody who follows Jesus, who is obedient right. to Jesus, cannot lose their salvation. But we can make choices to show or demonstrate disobedience, to demonstrate a loss of faith or a lack of faith, and then we are no longer his sheep. When we talk against this man-made doctrine of eternal security, we are not saying that a person, once they obey the gospel, is doomed to failure. One can live righteous and can live successfully as a Christian for their entire life. Mm -hmm. There is such a thing as not fallen from grace, mm -hmm. but there is also such a thing as fallen from grace. Correct. And the danger is very real. Absolutely. Ephesians four verse 30 is another passage commonly used. Um, you want to go ahead and read that brother? And do not grieve the Holy spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. What's your initial thoughts on that passage? So he's talking about whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. I think that seal is the Spirit of God dwelling in our life and working in outwardly in our life. But he says, do not grieve, which seems to imply that we can mm -hmm. grieve the Holy Spirit and thus break that seal, break that promise. Correct. That's, that's exactly kind of where I was going at it. Seal, you know, we remain sealed if we grieve not. Right. the Holy Spirit. Right. And like you said, implying that there is an option and there's other passages where that type of idea is, is mentioned a uh, common one, John three, verse 16. Yes, sir. 
you know, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So what is, you know, should the not perish? The original language actually says should not perish. Mm -hmm. Many translations today say shall not perish. This is uh, a person, a translator, uh, put in their presuppositions into the text and and that influenced that's right and we see that with with a lot of the you know the king james the new king james there's several yes, places where their presuppositions of uh infant baptism um <laughs> sprinkling you yeah. know that kind of stuff like that that played into the the choice of words baptism you know can be interpreted as sprinkling or dunking or uh, that kind of thing, but that's not what the word it's was not, intended to be. It was no, full it immersion, but based on their presuppositions, that's how they they read into and, the text. Correct, and I believe that, like you said, that that is the case here as well. But that's some versions. The King James and the New King James both say should, but I do think if you went out and asked ten people in the world, this is probably the most uh, well-known passage in, in, in the world, I would say. If you ask 10 people to recite John 3.16, how many of them are going to recite it saying shall not perish versus should not perish? I would su suppose quite a few. I would too. A larger number than, than not. And so the key word here is should not perish because if we believe in him, if we have faith, we act on that faith and obedience we recognize the value of the gift of salvation. We should not perish if we really understand that sacrifice that was made for us. So on that note, I think it would be beneficial to stress that we shouldn't worry about losing our salvation if we've never been saved. That's very true. We need to make sure that we are saved first, and then we're concerned about retaining or staying faithful mm -hmm. to that. There are passages that we'll read over a couple here shortly that emphasize the idea of, like you said, remaining saved. Yes, um, but that's that's very true. If, if you weren't saved to begin with, um, I've got a relative that was talking to a, a denominational person one day about the topic of eternal security. And I think he said he regretted it, but he had had previous conversations. They didn't go well. He was kind of losing his patience. And he just told him, well, you shouldn't worry about losing something you've never had to begin with. You know, probably not the best way to, to win friends and influence people necessarily. Right. But, you know, I, I can't say that's not the truth. It is true. You know, um, yeah. so uh, anyway, the last one, Romans 8, 38 and 39 was the last passage that, and like I said, I'm sure there are other passages to, that people used to try to, to point out once saved, always saved. But Paul says, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. What about that one? Does that illustrate once saved, always saved, or eternal security? I would say no, it does not. What's your What's your thoughts on that? Well, angels can't separate us from God's love. Mm -hmm. Principalities or powers, whatever those things may be interpreted to be, cannot 
separate us from God's love. Things present or things to come, height nor death, you know, all of these things, Paul is very eloquent in this list. But what's not on the list is our own choice. Correct. Our own choice can separate us. And I think, you know, he talks about to separate us from the love of God. And maybe I'm wrong, but I don't necessarily believe that's referring to salvation. We know God loves us. What's going to separate us from God's love for us? That's a good point. You know, did Jesus, did God send Jesus to die for sinners? Yeah, obviously. You know, some of the most wicked people in the world, Jesus died for them because of God's love for that person. Nothing can stop that. I think that one of the key passages to help us understand these is a passage like that found in Galatians chapter 1. Paul was writing to the Galatian Christians, to members of the church, to the congregations in Galatia. And he said, I am astounded that you're so quickly removed Mm -hmm. from the doctrines of Christ. These people were falling away after they had been added to the church. Exactly. They were writing to, he was writing to Christians. That's right. People, yeah. I think that's uh, also illustrated, and, and I don't think we have this on our notes to talk about, but in 1 Corinthians... You know, Paul writes to a church that had once again had fallen away and their falling away seems to be evidenced by uh, inappropriate worship, you know, at least at least uh, there were. Well, there were other things. Yes. So those are some passages that are used um, by folks sometimes to demonstrate once saved, always saved. But let's look at, you know, we kind of explained you know, a couple of, of very, you know, we didn't get very deep into our thoughts on those passages. Um, but let's talk about why the Bible illustrates we can lose our salvation. Now we recently were studying with, uh, a lady in, in Waterloo and, and she had actually asked us to, to study this topic because she had been taught this, uh, idea at a young age And she had, if I remember right, she had told us something along the lines of, I don't think it's true, but I don't know if I really understand why. Right. And I think that can be the case many times for many aspects of Christian living. You're taught something and it just doesn't, it just doesn't feel right. Like you you don't see it in scripture, but you don't really have a full understanding of why something is wrong or uh, anti-scriptural and I think this idea can can fall into that that realm so let's talk about some examples in scripture um, where people seem to have lost their salvation go ahead and let you get started mm-hmm. remember context is so important in Acts chapter 5 verse 1 through 11 we read the story of Ananias and Sapphira now these people I don't know. I suppose they could have been baptized, immersed into Christ on the day of Pentecost. They were they were of a Jewish heritage. They were members of the church, part of the body of Christ. And they were participating in the good works that the church was doing and bringing uh, their goods to uh, be benevolent to the poor among them. And the scripture tells us that they sold a piece of property, whatever it was, for a certain amount of money and kept some back, but they presented it to the apostles as though 
it was the full amount that they sold it for. And Peter confronts them and asks them, why are you relying against the Holy Spirit? It was yours to do with as mm -hmm. you pleased. There was no reason for this. They fell down dead right away. Mm -hmm. They did not have time to repent. Yeah. You talk about context, yes. by the way. In verse 32 of chapter 4, which is leading, you know, that's giving the, right. the background of what took place here. It said, now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. So that illustrates in my, the way I see it, that Ananias and Sapphira were listed among those, right? They were listed among those people. And it, it talks about, he goes into, uh, that these people recognizing there was a need sold things that they had that perhaps they didn't need. And then goes into the, the story that right. you mentioned. So, I mean, it, it does illustrate the way I see, you know, the way it's written in my Bible that Ananias and Sapphira were of one heart and one soul with the other believers. Until they lied. They lied. Blows my mind in that, that story that pride appears to be what kept them from heaven. You know, and that's such a gross <laughs> illustration of pride. That's right. And people are, are quick to say, well, you know, I'd, I'd never do that. But how often does pride influence the decisions that we make, the characteristics we demonstrate, um, things that are not pleasing to God? More often than we probably want to admit, uh, our self, our ego, leads us to, to sin or to a sinful behavior or sinful attitude. And... As awful as sin is and all of the horrible side effects of sin, I think the most terrible one is that it separates us from God. Mm -hmm. Pride is pride is ugly. And I would assume that all of us, you, me, our listeners, our friends, brothers, sisters in Christ, have dealt with the issue of pride in one way or another. <laughs> Yes. So let, let's so Ananias and Sapphira, they were listed as those who believed in Christ. They sinned. In in this case, they were struck dead. Um, you know, Paul or sorry, Peter tells them, You have not lied to men, but to God. You know, and, and so they were they were struck dead. Appears that obviously they did not have an opportunity to repent from that wrongdoing. Let's talk about Judas. I think Judas illustrates the idea that one who is saved can fall away from that. Luke 22, verses 1 through 6, I'd like to read that. The Bible says, Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. So he went his way and conferred with the chief priest and captains how he might uh, betray him to them. And they were glad, and they agreed to give him money. So he promised and sought opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of the multitude. So let's talk about Judas. What was Judas's position? He was a disciple of Christ. He was one of the twelve 
who were sent out to do miracles and announce the soon-to-come kingdom. Mm -hmm. He was one of the 12 who sat at the Last Supper when Jesus established the the communion, the Mm -hmm. Lord's Supper. He partook of that meal with them. He saw the miracles and the mighty works that Jesus did and participated in them equally with the other disciples. Correct. He was, according to what John says, the bookkeeper or the treasurer. Yeah. He, he carried the bag, I think, as the, the, the verbiage. Um, and John clues us in that Judas had a problem with money. He, he coveted money, from whether it was from his poor background or, or whatever it was. He, he became a thief. Mm-hmm. I think one, one note to point out with this is Judas lost his salvation he fell into sin um with the temptation of money yep which seems to be something that uh was demonstrated and you know it seemed to be something he struggled with up to that point as well one interesting thing about judas like you said was just right right before judas agreed um to betray him, he was, like you said, he was with the disciples. He was partaking of the Lord's Supper, that fellowship, yep. koinonia, you know, with Jesus, with his apostle, with his disciples. But verse 3 here in the text we just read, it says, Then Satan entered Judas. And I don't necess- I don't believe that's implying a demonic possession that did take place back in that time. I think that 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 Judas gave in to Satan. He allowed right. evil to come into his life. He, he stopped resisting, as the Bible talks about. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Well, Judas stopped resisting. He gave in to that temptation. I believe up to this point, you know, some people might say, well, then if, if Judas lost his salvation, then, then Jesus made a mistake in selecting him. I don't believe that either. Because the Bible says, then Satan entered Judas. And up till this point, Judas was a disciple of Christ that was working to to help Jesus bring his kingdom. And then Satan entered Judas. Who was numbered with the twelve, the same verse says. Correct. It's interesting that Judas, um, after realizing what he had done and, and, and feeling the guilt and the shame of his sin and separation from God went and hung himself. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he tried to return the money. The, the priests wouldn't accept it because it was blood money. So he went and hung himself. However, about the same time, we see another disciple who was numbered with the 12 mm-hmm. committing an, an atrocious sin. He cursed and denied knowing Christ denied being a part of, of the band of the following Christ. This man's name was Peter. Mm-hmm. What happened to Peter? After he realized what he did, the scripture tells us he went out into the night weeping bitterly. Repentance. This is, I believe, a sign of repentance. Mm-hmm. There was a change in Peter's heart in his life. And even though we read later where Paul withstood him to the face because he was he was caught up in, in, a, in an error, there was still that that attitude of repentance, that attitude of humility. Yeah. I not think, pride. Correct. Well, it's polar opposites That's here. That's right. 
I think a beautiful picture of the the story of Peter, and I can't think of of where where it's at in scripture. Um, but whenever Jesus tells his disciples, he says, "Go tell my disciples and, and Peter." Peter. Yeah. Beautiful, you know, it just is. yeah. And in and, and in a sermon I taught on Judas Iscariot, um, I asked kind of a, a rhetorical question, kind of like a "What if?" You know, what if Judas would have ran out and hid and wept like Peter? You know, would Jesus have had, um, you know, treated him poorly? I think he would have treated Judas just like he treated Peter. You know, prophecy tells us in the Old Testament that somebody was going to betray Correct. Christ. And a lot of scholars look at that prophecy and say, well, that's talking specifically about Judas. I disagree. I do too. I think it. I think Peter had the same character flaws portrayed in different uh, in different aspects. But the difference is Peter chose humility. And I think Judas could have repented. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think he was cursed to hang himself. Somebody was going to betray the Christ. This is true. But whoever that person turned out to be did not have to kill themselves. Correct. They were not cursed to dwell in sin. Yeah. I agree. And unfortunately, like with Ananias and Sapphira, Judas took away his, he chose to take away his ability to repent for his That's sin. That's right. And I can't, I can't imagine how, how sad that is. There's another man in, in the New Testament that I love to talk about. Um, his name also is Simon, who sinned. And mm -hmm. amazingly, it was centered around money. And, and greed, which is a, a cousin to pride or, or ego. Um, the Samaritans were converting to Christ and converting to the gospel, leaving Judaism. And they sent uh, Peter and, and another disciple there to lay hands on them so that they could receive the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 8, verse 17. And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. He, he craved the power, the attention, the spotlight, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, that this power would give him. And Peter rebukes him, says, your money perished with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Listen to what Peter says next. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Simon, I believe, exhibited uh, a humility and began to repent then and there and said, pray for me. Pray to the Lord for me that none of these things which you've spoken of may come upon me. Yeah. Simon fell away. Yep. He was baptized into Christ. He had obeyed the gospel from the heart, and he fell away. And then he repented. Mm-hmm. We, it, to me, it's it, it can be pretty obvious. If you go into the idea of eternal security and you remove those presuppositions, you, you remove the glasses, um, the, uh, the things that you have been taught and the things you've been, you've learned from, like I said, good people. Yeah. But you just look at the scriptures. 
you see illustrated people that did fall away. What does Revelation 3 verse 5 talk about? I think that is another powerful illustration of the idea that one can fall away. The Bible here says, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Can you get... That's pretty plain. It's it's pretty plain. (laughs) Um, There's other passages all throughout Scripture there, there, we, we unfortunately don't have time to explore them all, but there are other passages that illustrate the idea, um, that one can fall away. Uh, what do you, what can you tell us about Demas? Demas was a man, uh, we don't really know much about him in scripture, but yeah, he's only mentioned twice in scripture. Apparently he was a companion and co-laborer with the Apostle Paul, meaning that he traveled with him. He was considered an evangelist, p- perhaps an evangelist in training. We we kind of use those terms sometime. But at one point, Demas left the Apostle Paul, and Paul's words, if I understand right, in the last letter that he wrote, said, Demas has left me having loved this present world. Mm-hmm. To me, that seems like there is a choice made forsaking Paul, forsaking the mission that Paul was on and loving the present world, illustrating the difference between the two. We're either part of the church or we're part of the world. We live in the world, but we are not of the world. As the Bible talks about. Demas chose to be of the Mm -hmm. world. Hebrews six verses four through eight says, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have taken have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and have put him to open shame. Can you fall away from something that you were never a part of? According to Hebrews chapter 6, yes, you can fall away. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, I want to point out, I want to make sure we impress this on on our own minds, on others' minds as well. A lot of people will read this, that it is impossible to restore them and say, well, Mm -hmm. I've sinned, there's no point in me trying. Or I have this weakness in my life that I can't overcome, there's no point in me trying. Mm-hmm. The scripture is not telling us that it is impossible to be renewed. It's telling us there's no other way to be renewed but through Christ, through his forgiveness, through his love. I think maybe things have have changed. Verbiage has changed across um, denominational groups and things like that. I remember years ago being told um, or taught or learning, I should say that people that believe in once saved, always saved says you can't fall away. If you fall away, that implies that you were never saved to begin with. Have you ever heard that? I have heard before. That, yes. And that's kind of what I think with this passage in Hebrews is you can't fall away, you know, from something that you were never a part of. <laughs> that's true. So I think that illustrates the idea that that's another kind of um, 
hole in that that view. Yes, sir. You know, First uh, Timothy four verse one, the Bible says, "Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will." What's fall the away. depart? Yeah, fall away, depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. What do you think that means uh, when he says giving heed to deceiving spirits? I think that's talking about false doctrine. Mm-hmm. I do too. First Timothy chapter four, verse one. He says, giving heed to them, giving space, allowing them to come in and take root. Right. And we the know that they were says, speaking lies and hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Ravenous wolves yes. in the latter days. Well, you know, uh, those that come as wolves in sheep's clothing, you know, deceiving the hearts of men. In second Peter three, verse 17, the Bible says you therefore beloved, since you know this beforehand, Beware, lest any, uh, lest you also fall away from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. I think that's also another passage that illustrates the idea that one can fall away. You can fall away from your own steadfastness. I have in my side margin here a handwritten note. Uh, think of Jonah. And I know that's an Old Testament example. But he was a faithful Jew who God called to go preach to Nineveh, who fell away for a short time. Mm -hmm. And he was given time to repent. He was of given that. time to repent. Yes. And he turned away from his wicked ways. It's pretty drastic. Yes. Measures to turn him back. I mean, <laughs> being in a smell like I like sushi, but being in the belly of a smelly fish for a few days, you know, <laughs> that might be a little much. I could, I, you know, I can imagine that would, would, um, bring forth some repentance. Last scripture I want to consider illustrating that we can lose our salvation is Romans 11 verses 20 through 23. And I'm going to go ahead and read that. Paul says here, well said because of unbelief, they were broken off and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell severity, but toward you goodness. If you continue in his goodness, otherwise you will also be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, they will be grafted in for God is able to graft them in again. Such a beautiful picture of God's mercy. Correct. That was my thought. That's God is willing to graft us in, to bring us in, even if we've fallen away. Mm -hmm. He's willing to restore. The Old Testament prophet said, restore the years that the canker worm has eaten. Yeah. When I think about this, I think about um, years ago we had, and uh, when I lived in Florida, my dad had a lot of fruit trees. Um, we had a lot of citrus trees, like a lot. Uh, I think at one point we had probably like 10 or 12 full trees in our backyard, which wasn't a huge backyard. So that's why I think it was a lot. But there was one time that uh, one of the trees had split. Um, I forget what caused it to split, but um, they had done some foilage surgery and had, <laughs> you know, pulled it together and taped it or something. And it grew, it fixed, it was grafted back in was, yeah. to the tree. And that's how I see this passage is, 
we can fall away. We can be cut off from being God's people. We can be blotted out of the Lamb's book of life, like Revelation 3, like Jesus says. But we can turn away from our unbelief or our disobedience, and God will graft us back in. The potential of falling away is very real mm-hmm. and very scary. It should be. It's designed to be that way. But also, if we have fallen away, the potential of being restored is very great. Mm-hmm. God's gift of mercy and grace portrayed in Christ Jesus is just as much for the Christian who has fallen as it is for the sinner who has never obeyed the gospel from the beginning. Mm-hmm. You said something at the beginning of our study today about not not living your life fearful of losing your salvation. I just want to kind of end our thoughts. I'll obviously you know talk about this passage, but we can be sure of our salvation. First John five verse thirteen, right. he says, "These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may." continue to believe in the name of the son of God. You know, I think that what he says there, he says that you may continue to believe implying that there is an alternative to that. You know, we, we don't have to continue. We have free will. And like these other passages that we've explored indicate, we can, we can turn ourselves over to the present world. That's right. We can fall in love with the present world and cease to be a part of the church and place our citizenship with the world. But we can turn back from that. We can. It's never, you know, while we, while God is patient with us, as the Bible illustrates, uh, that he wants all men to come to repentance, you know, he's blessed us. God is long-suffering towards us, as the Bible says, not willing that yeah. any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And this time that we have right now is a blessing. There are people, perhaps there are people listening today there's people in the world. There are friends and loved ones of, of ours who uh, that time is a blessing for them. Yes. Um, but like Peter says, uh, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men call slackness. There will come a time where God's patience runs thin and dries up and he turns to Jesus and he says, go bring my children home. When that time comes, are we going to be in the church or are we going to be in the world? Cause he's going to take his church home. Knowing that and understanding that the admonition that's given to us in Hebrews chapter three, um, verse 16 today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, referring to the Jews rebellion in the mm-hmm. wilderness. There seems to be some urgency there. There is some urgency. This is the time. Mm -hmm. Today is the day for salvation. Any closing thoughts before we round out our episode today? I'm glad that we can end with the very reality, very real reality check of, yes, we can lose our salvation. We Mm -hmm. can fall away. But even if we've fallen away, or even if we're struggling with a besetting sin, God is merciful and he is long suffering and patient toward us because he loves us. His mm-hmm. love is so great. I'm glad that we can end with that note that 
God is good. Yes, sir. All the time. If anything in this episode has sparked questions regarding your salvation, Christian living, or other topics, please reach out to us. We would be glad. We would be. We would love to try to answer those questions with the Bible as our authority. Tune in next week for another episode of the Sin the Light podcast, where we strive to discuss relevant, important Bible topics and explore what the Bible has to say regarding those topics. Once again, if you're listening or watching and you live here with us in the Waterloo, Cedar Falls, or surrounding areas, we'd love to have you visit with us. We meet at 2543 Cedar Terrace Drive in Waterloo. You'll find us there Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We also have free resources we can send you, Bible courses by mail, and we'd also love to study the Bible with you in person if you are interested. Please feel free to reach out to us on our website at www.cedarterracecoc.com, our Facebook or YouTube handles at Cedar Terrace COC or the email address and phone numbers listed on the screen or in the podcast notes. Tune in next week. Should we give them a plug on what we're talking about next so. week? I think, what I we think pl- it kind of ties in with a little bit of what we talked about today. What are we talking about next week? going to talk about finances finances and and uh, temperance when it comes to being a good steward of what god's blessed us with something that i'm still struggling with in my own life we're learning every day yes, sir. thanks for tuning in i'm your host matt tyson here with my co-host and good friend brother michael bolton thanks for watching and we'll see you next time god bless you